Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now. Okay, so I got to give you some background. The Apostle Paul, okay, you guys know him, the Apostle Paul, uh, he wrote three letters to the Corinthians. Some say four, but we know of three actually to the Corinthian church. Now, if you recall, Paul, in Acts chapter 18, he comes to to the city of Corinth, right? This Corinth is just a wealthy, well-to-do, very, very exciting city, and he plants a church. Okay, now, after a brief time of just raising up leadership and pastoring and loving the sheep and evangelizing, after a brief time, guess what he does? He says, okay, I've, I've got to go plant some other churches. And as he goes to plant other churches, he gets a report. He gets a report that something's not right at the church of Corinth. There's some problems. Okay, so Paul actually writes 1 Corinthians to address five problems that were five major problems in the church. Now, we've already gone through them in 1 Corinthians, so I don't have time to kind of break them down, but there are five major Major problems that were threatening this church. So if you're taking notes, guys, this is really 1 Corinthians. That's five major problems. Now, why do I keep saying that? Because I want you, when somebody asks you, or, or, you're, or, or let's just say this. Say you're, you're online and you're watching another preacher, you're watching another church, and they're pulling something out of 1 Corinthians. You guys know the context of what is supposed to be happening. And so my job is to make sure that you are fully fed and you understand what's going on. So five major problems. Now, Paul is hoping as he writes this letter, he is hoping, guys, that, that the church would go, oh, okay, Paul, we're sorry. They would see their heirs and actually correct them. The problem is, is this church does the opposite. They, they rebel. I find that interesting. And what the Lord spoke to me is none of us really like to be corrected, do we? No matter what, no matter, I mean, even if we're doing wrong, we don't sit there and go, oh, tell me. Now, listen, those of us who like to be corrected are those who want to grow. Help me. Help me grow in this area. I don't know what I'm doing. I love the, I love the, I don't like the people who are, I know it all, I can do this. And then they end up stumbling and fall. No, no, no. But see, the church here was like, we got this. Paul, I know you came in. I know you were a pastor and everything, but... And he goes, no, 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 let me correct it. And, and as a matter of fact, guess what happened, guys? Super, something really super trippy and bummy, man. They, they actually rebelled. And they started questioning, like, who is this Paul? Is he really an apostle? They started questioning his authority. They started questioning who he is. And, 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 and he's just like, really? Now, let me unpack it this way. You have a church who is dealing with some major issues and they begin to rebel against Paul. They begin to rebel against authority, his credentials, who he is. Now, if it was just something like, well, Paul, Paul we don't like the way you dress or we don't like your crooked nose, or he'd be okay with that. He'd be like, Psh, whatever. But the problem is, guys, and it's so important, um, we need to change the background there, Josh. But that's, that's Wednesday nights. We need, we need to put messy. There we go. I just noticed that. Sorry. Um, it's super important. Why? Because if you question his authority, guess what? Then you question his message. And see, the message was the gospel. 
And the gospel of Jesus Christ, guys, would, would have detrimental and eternal effects. I don't know where you've been in the world lately. I don't know if you're watching the news, but guys, there are things going on in our world that make me want to pull out my hair, and there are people in leadership that I'm, well, I'm praying for. And I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. Because woe to you who call evil good and good evil. That's what Isaiah says. But that's what's happening in our world. But instead of me judging, go, man, you get yours. I'm going, please, Lord, let it, I hope they're saved. Because eternity, so eternity, guys, is... I, we wish that on nobody. Eternity apart from what well, we call it hell. And so, guys, we, it's, are we praying? Are we praying for our leaders? You know, there's a lot of people who want to destroy our country. Are we praying for them? God, please. Yesterday, yesterday in Washington, D.C., we we're praying. We we're praying that our country would turn around and repent. I want to see revival. How many of you are tired of reading about revival? You want to see revival, right? You want to see, you want to see our churches so packed. They're so hungry for the word of God. See, here's what I read. I read there are so many people who want things to go back to normal, but God wants people to return to Jesus. Not just to normal. We don't want to keep doing the same things we did before in 2000. We want to come back. But why? Because, because Jesus makes everything better. Are we nicer to each other with Jesus? Aren't we more loving, more giving? So, what does Paul do? Okay? Paul says, um, I've got to go visit this church. Dude, I've got to go see them. The problem is, is it ends up to be a very painful visit. You go, why was it painful? Because Paul finds out there's some really bad stuff going on, and he calls them out. Oh, no, Christians don't do that. We're very nice. No, he calls out the leadership. He goes, guys, stop it. What are you doing? He really does. He, he, he calls them out, man. What is he trying to do? With love, he's trying to restore the church, the church of Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, guys, think about this. He writes in 2 Corinthians, he writes this in verse 1, uh, chapter 2. He says, so I decided that I would not bring grief with another painful visit. That's what he says. He says, man, that was hard. And so Paul says, let me, let me just follow up with another letter. And he says, but you know what? This letter wasn't written like, I'll show you. Let me tell you a thing or two. He says that was written with anguish and grief. Listen, church. The Apostle Paul follows the Lord Jesus Christ. His same heart, and we should too. People matter. And he wasn't mad at them. He was just, he was just upset that that they were strained from the truth. And guys, when, when somebody walks a crooked path and they're starting to get off, our job is to pull them back in, but we do that with a lot of anguish and tears. We don't do that and say, well, you just don't do that, and you don't do that. It's like, no, you don't understand. That's my bro. That's my bro. you got to check my heart, man. Now, the letter he wrote with anguish and tears, guys, we don't have that letter was lost. But some scholars believe that that harsh letter was, was actually chapters 10 and 13, through 13 was actually part of that. Now, we're not going to get there for a couple more weeks, but when we do, you'll go, yeah, that really sounds like that was pretty, pretty rough, 10 through 13. No. So after all the measures, there's Paul, right? Most, most, everybody say most, 
But not all the Corinthians realized their ignorance. And they said, oy vey, we blew it, man. You know what? I messed up. Oh, and they wanted to reconcile with Paul. Paul, will you please forgive me? We're so sorry. We're so sorry. And, and so if you recall, Paul wrote this letter, 2 Corinthians, guys, to assure them, guys, I love you. And he was committed to them. That's the whole purpose of the letter. Now, let me jot this down, okay? I'm going somewhere, I promise. Um, this letter was written with three main sections, okay? If you're taking note. In chapters 1 through 7, okay, Paul finalizes his reconciliation. He says, guys, I love you. I forgive you. Come here. Let's give a bro hug, right? We're good. We're good. We're good. Amen. And, and, he, and he follows up that way, guys. Now, if you missed any of that, we have it on podcast, okay? Go to Calvary Chapel, you can just listen and you can grow that way. But that's, now, in chapters 8 and 9, second section, Paul's going to talk about giving, okay? Giving and generosity, and that's where we are now. In chapters 10 through 13, Paul challenges the remaining Corinthians who will still question him and reject him. That's later. So, this is how it's broken up. Now, this morning, we're going to talk and tackle the topic of giving and generosity. Now, I do want you to take notes, okay? Because here's what I want you to grasp. Giving is an act of worship to the Lord. Giving is an act of worship to the Lord. Now, I know what people say, okay? Listen, speaking truth, I've had many people come to me and say, Pastor, um, I can't give you money, but can I give you my time? Well, Paul says, we're talking about money. Uh, we, we need to give your time, you need to give of your talents, you need to give of everything, but specifically, Paul's talking about giving of money. Everybody got that? Okay? So, giving our money, giving our first fruits is an act of worship. The same way you came in and you lift your hand and you're saying, you know what? I mean, all of this stuff, the same way you do that, guys, is, is the same way that we, we give. Now, I get it. Guys, I completely understand if the topic of money and giving makes you cringe a little bit. Oh, that church, they talk about money. Because that's how we grew up. We grew up going to church and it seemed like every sermon was about money. Guys, I heard of a church, I won't mention any names, I heard of a church that took up three offerings during the service. All right, everybody get your wallet out, let's go. Yeah, you do. Let's go dig deep ministries. And so they'd go through and they would, they would preach and then they'd say, okay, so this is a special offering. Okay, so this is the next offering. It was three offerings. It's like, wow. And so, and so guys, that made us real uncomfortable. We, we're, many people go, you know, I don't want to go to church because all they do is talk about money. This is why Calvary Chapel, guys, as a whole, went away from passing the plate and just said, look, there's some boxes. Just put your ties in there. That's between you and the Lord. That's why. But there are some Calvary chapels that still pass the plate. Why? And I'll show you in just a minute. But I understand. Now, at Calvary Chapel, which you attend, guys, we only teach on giving when it comes up in Scripture. Okay? As we make our way verse by verse by verse, we see that God is actually addressing it here. Well, today, as we continue in our study, now remember, last week, 
Last week was national welcome back to church. So I didn't want to be like, hey, guess what? Welcome back to church. Let's talk about money. So we did a different sermon. But today we're back verse by verse. We're verse by verse. And so what God does, guys, in chapter 8, jot this down. You have it on your bulletin. God, in his wisdom, gives us two amazing, awesome examples from, from the word of God about grace, giving, and generosity. He gives us some examples. Because I know people are going, wow, 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 right? So what happened? Okay, so Paul just finished finalizing the wonderful reconciliation. Guys, I love you. I forgive you. You guys are awesome. Now, he loves people. He loves people, okay? Now, if Paul loves people and Jesus loves people, we should love people too, right, Carmen? We should love people. But people are stinky, and they're weird, and they're strange. That's okay. We still love them. We still love them. We're going to spend eternity with them. It's going to be a good deal. It's going to be a good deal. I'm going to have a basketball hoop over at my house in my mansion. It's going to be awesome. We're going to play all the time. And so Paul says, okay, okay, so here's the deal. He concludes, guys, last week, he concludes with this. He says, man, we've been greatly encouraged by this, Paul says. In the addition of our own encouragement, we were especially delighted. Why? To see how... How happy Titus was when you guys welcomed him. It was so stinking cool. He didn't say that. That's my paraphrase. And he said, how proud I was of you. He said that. And you didn't disappoint me. I've always told you the truth about my boasting to Titus has also proved true. Guys, he, he cares for you more than, than ever. And he remembers all the way you obeyed him and welcomed him with fear and respect. I'm very happy now because, he says, I have complete confidence in you. That's where he left it off. And so now he continues. Thought process changed just a little bit. And this is where we left three weeks ago, okay? So if you're taking notes, Paul's going to use the church in Macedonia, churches, excuse me, as an example, listen to me, of sacrificial giving. Why did you say sacrificial? Because giving should be sacrificial. It means... It means, man, I don't, I don't have this. But I trust you, God. I trust you. Listen, if I had a million dollars in the bank, it'd be way easy to give $100. Can I get an amen? It's easy. But if I had $200, it'd be way hard to give $100. So I go, okay, okay. Let me give you this disclaimer before we jump in there, okay? I want you to make sure that Calvary Chapel's not asking you for money. And I want you to understand that I'm not beating you over the head for 10% of your income. Because the New Testament doesn't teach 10%. The New Testament teaches 100%. In other words, you give what God puts on your heart, give it all, do what God puts on your heart. Okay? Because some people can do 10%, some people can do 2%, some people can do 20%, some people can do 50%. And it's all what God puts in your heart. And so, and so with that, notice what he says. Okay, Let me give you the first example. Verse 1, he says, Moreover, brethren, I love you, that word brethren is family. He's talking to family. Moreover, brethren, we make known to you the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. In other words, think about what Paul said. He said, listen, family, here's a testimony of our sister churches in Macedonia. Now, you're probably wondering, who are these churches? Well, if you're taking note, they're Philippi, Thessalonica, and Berea. These are churches. 
He says, let me, let me tell you about what's going on there, okay? I visited these churches on my second and third missionary journey out there. And he says, now, here's what I want to make known to you. I want to make known to you. Notice, he doesn't talk about money. He says, the grace of God. Look at that. Look at that. He says, this is the grace of God. And you go, what does that mean? It's the kindness of grace. But listen, if you, if you pull it up in the Greek, it means the kindness and grace as expressed through generosity of the Macedonian churches. It's, it's about giving. It's about giving. And you go, well, Ben, what, what was the point? Giving comes from the grace of God. We need to understand that. Giving comes from the grace of God. And the one thing we need to understand, listen to me, church, it's not done with compulsion or manipulation. Let me tell you, here's our ministry. And if you don't give, the ministry is going to die. How does that make you feel? Okay. That's manipulation. That's not Paul. Paul says it's, it's God's grace. It's God's grace. It's God's grace and his kindness, and there's no compulsion, right? We're not going over to the chair and going, okay, we're taking an offering. Everybody give, and then we hold it out. And we hold it there. And we hold it there. Come on, Jesse, put a little bit more in there. I know you got more. What do you mean I have no cash? Come on, let's go. Right? Compulsion, and you feel awkward. You feel weird. This comes from an understanding of the true grace of God in our lives. And I've always said this at Calvary, guys. There should be no disconnect between our hearts of worship and our wallets. There should be no disconnect. And I know there's a misconception, but we'll get to that. Look at verse 2. It says, In that great trial of affliction and abundance of their joy and deep poverty abounded in their riches of their liberality. Now, think about what Paul just said. Paul said the Macedonian churches experienced adversity, right, through hardships. These were churches that were really struggling. Yet, they displayed generosity. How? For the sake of others. Guys, these churches were an example of Paul's ministry. Now, this is trippy. Why? Here's what he just said. You guys see that verse 2? He said, the less they had the more they gave with great joy. That's trippy. Because we tend to give out of our abundance. But there, the church is here. Now, you go, why? Everybody say, why? Their hearts were so in love with Jesus that whatever they had, they would gladly give. You see, something had changed. They were transformed from the inside out, and it transformed everything. Everything. And that's what he just said. He said, in that great trial of affliction, of their abundance and great joy, in deep poverty, abounded in the riches of their liberality. Notice verse 3. For I bear witness according to their ability. Yes, and beyond their ability, they were freely willing. You got that? They were freely willing. They did this freely. Paul wasn't looking at him with, the, with that eye, you know, like, come on, 
Come on, dig deep. He says they were freely went, and he says imploring us with much urgency that they would receive the gift of the fellowship of the ministering of the saints. That word imploring means begging. Guess what is happening? They're going, listen, we want to do this. Take it, Paul, take it. Please take it. This is what we want to do. You understand the difference. You understand? And this is what God says. This is what he says when we go, when we go to the agave box. He says, man, I want, to, I want you to give with a cheerful heart. That means laughing hilariously. This is awesome. And drop it in the box. How many times do we get a check and we're going to put it in the box and we're like, let go. Let go. Okay. That's what we do. Or the second thing we do is go, okay, I'm going to give you this money, but here's what I want you to do with it. Well, no. You, you're going to give to the Lord. And, and Paul says, Paul says, listen, listen. He says, they were like, guys, this, we're begging. We're begging. Take this gift. Now, what we, we've got to remember, Joe, you remember this. Paul actually addressed this issue back in the first letter. He talked about giving. And then in chapter 16, he reminded them, listen, here's what's happening. There's some, there's some saints in Jerusalem, guys, that are, they're poverty stricken, and I want to take a collection and I want to, I want to bless them. There's people that need to eat. There's people that need all of this stuff. I want to, I want to bless them. This is what he's saying. And so Paul says in verse 5, not only as we hoped, but they first gave themselves to the Lord, then to us by the will of God. So he urged Titus that as he begun, he would also complete this grace in you as well. Now, do you see what happens? Where does giving come from? Where does generosity, where is the grace of God? He says, this is what happens first. The first requirement before giving, Paul says, is they first gave themselves to the Lord. They first gave themselves to the Lord. He says, and then they gave themselves to us. And I like what Paul writes. You guys know this. It's Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. I beseech ye, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable, perfect will of God? What's the first thing we need to do, guys? We present ourselves to the Lord. Lord, here I am. You save me. Before I even give a dime, before I even think about generosity, before I even think about giving, I say, Lord, here I am. Here I am. You saved me. You saved me. You healed me, man. I was broken. I was messed up. I was out of control, Lord. You healed me. Amen. Amen. So, Lord, here I am. What do you want me to give? What do you want me to give? This is what Paul is saying. He says, first give yourself to God, then to the will of God. Okay, God, what do you, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? Now, let's take a moment to talk about money. You go, Ben, why is this so important? I'll tell you why. Because staying in the context, I don't want to allow our hearts to think that the church is all about money. Okay? So we've got, to, we've got to talk. We've got a dialogue. What do you mean? So where does Calvary stand on the issue of money? Okay, let me give you some points. You ready? Number one, we truly believe where God guides, God provides. Where God is guiding, God provides. We really believe that. 
This is why we don't have sermons about money. This is why we don't have any announcements. You need to give. Listen, we'll give you an opportunity to give, and I'll tell you why. Guys, I want to be on the offense going forward. I don't want to be on the defense, man, getting with my leadership, crossing my fingers, and hoping that we can pay our bills next month. I want to go, listen, what can we do to help? What can we do to impact our city? Guys, we have 47 bags of food. I wish we had 100. We have 47 right now that we want to bless people with. I want to be on the offense. Why? Because some of those people might come, they might, they might roll through here and not have a clue about Jesus. They may have heard of church. They may have heard of religion. They may have heard of all, but I want them to know Jesus. And I want them to know that this little church here on, on 42nd in Boston, hey man, this is what we're for. This is what we want to do. Where God guides, God provides. That's how we feel. Number two, we teach the Bible. We teach the Bible, and we only talk about money when it comes up in Scripture. I don't pick passages. I don't run topics. You know, I, I, I don't. I don't want to stand before God and go, you know what, Lord, I just, you know, I just hit him, I just hit him, I just hit him with money. Because, no, guys, we've seen too much abuse in that. I don't want to stand before God. Number three, we are not afraid to ask for money to meet the needs of the people. You understand? A lot of times pastors are afraid. I'm not afraid to go, hey, guys, we need some money. Hey, we need you to dig deep because there's a need. We're not afraid to do that. I know a lot of churches are. Oh, I don't want to. No, no, no. When there's a need, we're going to ask. Because God wants to do something. Now, we're not afraid, number four, we're not afraid to teach on tithing and offerings. We have seen firsthand how God blesses. Okay? You go, what do you mean? Okay, so here's, here's the important point when it comes to money, giving, tithing. Okay? When you and I honor God with our giving, He blesses us. That's a good place for an amen. I know what y'all are thinking. You've been taught if you give a hundred bucks, you'll get a thousand back. That's not God. God says, I'm going to bless you, but I can bless you in a lot of other ways. I can bless you with peace in your home. I can bless you with good health. I can bless you. I can bless you a hundred different ways. But when we give, God blesses. I know, guys, I have seen it firsthand. Now, I understand the person going, you don't understand I, we, we're barely making ends meet, and they don't meet. We fall short every month. I know. But when you take that first fruit and you go, God, here it is. It's yours. It's yours. He miraculously takes that 90% or whatever it is, and he blesses us. And he, he wow, how did this happen? Whoa, I've seen that, guys. Now, here's the thing. So for me not to teach about money would, well, I'd really be ripping y'all off from all that God has. And I don't want to stand before God, well, Lord, you know, I grew up in the 80s and the 90s, and it was crazy, and the church was real weird, and I, and I became a pastor, I didn't want to talk about money because, no, 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 here's the thing, I don't want to rip you guys off. I want to teach you the principles of giving, and it's grace. 
It's grace. That's what he's saying. That's grace. Now, let me, let me just give you some truths about, about giving. Okay, New Testament, let me give you some truths. Number one, we know it's grace. Can I get an amen? It's grace. We understand grace in our lives. We understand how he saved us, and we give out of an abundance. We go, Lord, it's yours. It's yours. It's yours. Number two, it can be exercised even during poverty. I don't have it. I don't, I don't, I don't know. Just give. Because that means you have to eat, you know, ramen noodles for a week. Give. Honor the Lord. I guarantee you, you won't eat ramen noodles for a week. God is so good. Number three, great truth, guys, is it it forms fellowship. It forms fellowship. There are people out in the city that you're going to meet as a result of our giving and your giving and our giving and your giving. That now you're going to have a brother or sister. I didn't know you. Wow. Wow. 17 years ago, we moved to Lubbock and planted this church. And I didn't know none, y'all. But now you're my brothers. You're my family. You, you understand? Lord, I left everything in New Mexico. I left my father. I left my brothers. I left my family. I left my in-laws. Just kidding. I know she watches. Love you, Mom. But God restored all of that through all y'all. I have a brother. I have brothers. I have a brother who wears a green tie. How cool is that? Number four. It should be preceded by the dedication of self. Make sure you give yourself to the Lord first. Let's go on. Let's go on. He says in verse 7, But as you abound in everything, he's talking to the church, right? Notice this. In faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all diligent, and in your love for us. Okay, church of Corinth. He says, you guys abound in everything. You guys abound in faith. And they all go, amen. Come on. Y'all abound in speech. Y'all abound in knowledge. Right? In diligence. And your love for us. That's what the church is saying. He says this. See that you abound in this grace also. What's he talking about? Make sure, make sure you abound in giving as well. You abound in everything. Some of us in this room, we have super faith. I believe it. God's going to do it. Amen. You just, you just, you just have faith. Some of us in speech and, and, I mean, all of this stuff, guys, in love. Paul says, with a smile on his face, he says, um, see that you abound in giving also. Make that your aim. In verse 8, they say, he says, I speak not by commandment. So I'm not commanding you. He says, but I'm testing the sincerity of your love by the diligence of others right so why wouldn't paul command him he has authority he has the authority to command why wouldn't he say listen you all need to give he doesn't do that why because it would take away the opportunity for them to express gener generosity he would take that away and and if i said adam you need to give 
You need to give a lot. And Adam will go, okay, well, I'm giving because Ben told me to give. I've, I've just taken, I've just shackled him for what God wants to do in Adam and Tiffany's life. You understand? I'm just using them as an example because they happen to be sitting in the front row. You understand that? Also, number two, he, he, he wouldn't want to give them further reason to call his apostleship into question. He doesn't want them to go, well, you're apostle, that's why, yeah, see, I knew it, I knew it. All you preachers are the same, you're just out for money. He says, no, 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 I'm not commanding you guys. He says, but I'm testing you. I'm testing you. As a matter of fact, I've shown you how the Macedonian church works, but let me go a little bit deeper. He gives us an example number two. What's the example number two? He says, let me tell you about the Lord Jesus. Okay? Let me tell you about the example. Look at verse uh, 9. He says, For you know the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, that through that though he was rich, for your sakes he became poor, that through his poverty you might become rich. Paul, what did he just say? Guys, Jesus bankrupted heaven. He had everything. He was rich. He says, I'll become poor. And then think about the Lord Jesus. The Lord Jesus didn't even have a place to lay his head. Boxes have holes. Birds have nests. I don't even have a home. Yeah, but Jesus was rich. He was rich in heaven, but he became poor. Doesn't that just kind of, doesn't that just kind of blow holes in, in the theory of how Jesus was rich on earth and you need to be rich too because Jesus was rich? He wasn't. He says Jesus was poor. But he became poor so you could become rich. Really? Now, let's not take it out of context because we could take that easy out of context and go, Jesus became poor, you should be rich. Brother, you should be driving. He's not talking about monetarily. He's saying we're rich spiritually. Okay? We get to go to heaven. I was thinking about heaven. I was thinking about the peace. You know, people who have these out-of-death experience say, man, I just felt incredible peace. And I thought, we don't feel that peace here on earth, do we? In these bodies, I guess. Because they're explaining it like a peace beyond and pure love. Guys, we're not even talking about streets of gold. We're not talking about everything, right? We're not talking about how, how every wall is made out of pearl. I mean, we're not talking about that. We're talking about just eternity with the God that created us. Because here's what's happening. Okay? You have, there's a, you, you realize there's a civil war going on in, between, in, in your life, right? You, you realize you have a flesh and a spirit, and your spirit goes, I want to serve Jesus, I want to, I can't wait to be with him, and your flesh goes, let me fight you on that, and, and it's back and forth. But when we get released, and we go to heaven, we're rich, we're rich, we're rich. That's what he's saying. And then he says this, look at verse 10. He says, and in this I give advice. I love you, Paul. He says, it's to your advantage not only to be doing what you begun that we're desiring to do a year ago, but now you must complete the doing of it. 
that there was a readiness to desire it, there also must be a completion of what you, out of what you have. For there, if there is a willing mind, it's accepted according to what one has and not according to what one does not have. For I don't mean that others would be erased and you be burdened, but that equality and now this time your abundance may supply their lack, that their abundance may also supply your lack. That there may be equality, as it is written, he who gathered much had nothing left over, and he who gathered little had no lack. Here's what Paul's doing. Paul's going, guys, listen, let me remind you, this is what was in your heart to begin with. This was in your heart to begin with. He says, now it's time to make it happen. Now it's time to make it happen. See, guys, so many people have the right heart to give, but they never follow through. They never follow through. Paul says, it's to your advantage to do what? To finish the work. To finish the work. It's to your advantage. And I love the fact he says, now listen, it's not that you're going to give. And he says, no, no, let me just explain it this way. And he quotes the Old Testament book of Exodus, right? What's he talking about at the very end? He's talking about manna, right? He said, listen to this. He said, and, and it is written, he who gathered much had nothing left over, right? So he told the children of Israel, when you go out and you get manna, he says, just get enough, don't get more, but guess what they are? They're selfish. Oh, I'm hungry. I am. I'm going to save some because I don't know if man is going to be there tomorrow. And, and guess what happened? There was nothing left because it turned into worms. And they're like, oh, well, we just had enough. And he said, those, those who gathered little, let's have a little. They said they were full. Man, I feel like I ate a lot. Wow. He says, that's what it is with money. That's what it is. He says, it's to your advantage. He says, man, what you started, just give. Just give. And it's almost like the Lord is going, listen, if your heart is set on me, I'm going to pay, your bills are going to be paid. It's good. You're going to be fine. You're not. That's what he talks about, guys. It's to our advantage. And I know that, that when we get saved, we all have a heart to give. We want to give. We want to give our money. We want to give generously. We understand it's the grace of God. But somewhere along the line, we kind of hold on to it. It's my money. Lord, if I give you $20, well, I won't be able to have a Starbucks this week. Or Coke Zero. Or whatever it might be. But I love when we go, God, I'm, going to give. I'm just going to give it to you hilariously. It's yours. It's yours, Lord. I love you. You saved me. Oh, by the way, whose money is it? It's his, right? It's his money. It's his money. Oh, church, be careful. Be careful. I, this is not a message about compulsion. and, and it, it's, I just want you guys to be blessed. I just want you to be blessed. Because one thing happened to me when I was a kid. Not a kid, but I had gotten saved. And me and my friend decided to go see this, this, this great evangelist in Albuquerque. And I remember I had carried, carried some money. I had a $50 bill, which back in the 80s was a lot of money. 
and I had a $50 bill, and I remember, and I remember sitting there, and they were talking about giving and money, and of course, and I felt like the Lord said, give it, give your $50, and I was like, oh, is that you, Lord? Because you sound different. I don't know. So I put in an offering, but I didn't put my $50 bill in, right? So me and my friend went over to eat at a restaurant after the conference, after the little service, and we went to a nice restaurant, and I remember getting ready to pay, and I looked, and I didn't have my $50 anymore. And I had lost it. And I felt condemned. I felt like it was like, see, if you, if you would have gave it, blah, blah, blah. And I felt so condemned, like, I, oh, I should have given it. I should have. And maybe it was the Lord said to give it, but nonetheless, I didn't give it. But the point is, that's not how God works. You know what happened? If God put that in my heart, I didn't do it, but he didn't, he didn't take my 50 bucks. So please don't sit there and go, well, if you don't give, God's going to punish you. That's not how God works. God says, listen, listen. There's some great, there's some great blessings and purposes to giving. You go, what's that? Well, basically, here it is, to abound in all aspects of the Christian experience. How so? In faith, yay! In knowledge, in, no, in, 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 in speech, in, and in giving. In giving. And also to prove the reality of your love for the Lord. See, we, we zero in on giving to the local church. We go, well, here, here. That's not what it's about. It's about going, God, here's me first. Okay, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? I want my church to be on the offense. I want my church. I want to see people saved. I want to see that. And then it says, and it, and it helps us imitate Christ. Why? Because God left everything so that we could be saved. And you're giving... Your giving, your generosity, your grace, whatever God puts on your heart, guys, it's to see people saved. It's to feed people. It's to be the body of Christ. That's what it's for. If you have kids in here, it's to make sure that your kids are taken care of back there. It's to make sure that we have everything that they would need. I don't ever want our kids to go without It's to help us meet the needs of others. Well, Paul finishes up in verse 16. He says, but thanks be to God who puts the same earnest care into the heart of Titus. For not only accepted his, the exhortation, but being more diligent, he went to you of his own accord. Thank you, Titus. And he sent him with the brother whose praise in the gospel throughout the churches, we don't know who this is, verse 19, not only that, but who was also chosen by the churches to travel with us with this gift, which is administered to us by the glory of the Lord himself, and to show your ready mind. Avoiding this, that anyone should blame us in this lavish gift, which is administered by us. Providing honorable things, not only in the sight of the Lord, but also in the sight of men. We have set with them our brother whom we have often proved diligent in many things, but how much more diligent because of the great confidence in which we have in you. If anyone require, inquires about Titus, he is my partner, my fellow worker concerning you. Or if our brethren are inquired about, they are messengers of the churches to the glory of Christ. Therefore, 
show them and before the churches the proof of your love and our boasting on your behalf. So what did Paul say? Paul says, now listen, listen. A brief aside, he's given a letter of recommendation for Titus. He says, now Titus is doing this on his own accord. And two other men, who's going to deliver the, the letter to Corinth? And he says, guys, listen. Here's the one thing we don't want to be accused of. We don't want to be accused of, hey, give your money, give your money. By the way, you know, pastor's using it for this, and he's buying, and he's flying here, and he's going there, and he's, and all, and, and the Apostle Paul is, is walking around in designer robes. He says, no, 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 no. Here's the bottom line. This is serious. When we first started the church, guys, man, I used to be so scared to, to spend God's money. I was like, that's God's money. Don't spend it, you know. Uh. But then I realized this is God's money, and he wants us to use it to bless and to encourage. That's what he wants us to do. He wants us to give. He wants us to give. And, he's, and he says, now this is how it works. It works to where we have a system. How so? We have people who collect the tithes. We have a bookkeeper who looks at that separate. We have things in place so it's not like, oh, where's Pastor Ben? Well, he went to Mexico. He took all the money and left, which happens, doesn't it? Churches, I mean, this is what he's saying. He's encouraging the churches. Now, next week, next week, he still has one more chapter of giving. But today, guys, here's what we've learned. Okay, let's, let's, we're going to close. We're going to close with, with um, what we've learned. Okay, what's that? Giving generosity is an act of worship. When you give whatever God puts on your heart, it's worship. It's worship. It's worship like when you sing. It's worship when you lift your hands. Giving means your heart is focused on the gift of Jesus. When you give, it's you're so in love with God that he's changed your heart and you say, man, I just want to give. I just want to give. And you're not worried about getting it back in this life and you're not worried about, you just know, I want to give. I want to give. We also learned, guys, today that grace is abounding. It's abounding. We learned today, guys, that we can give even when we're poor and have nothing because it's a hard attitude. Do you guys remember the woman who gave the one mite? That's all she had? She, she gave, and Jesus said, look at her. She gave everything she had. I wonder, I wonder where our confidence is. Is our confidence in God? In trusting him to give? Or trusting him? Or is our confidence in ourselves? I lied, I lied in bed one night with Nathalie, and I was so frustrated that my job would not recognize me for the job I was doing. And my wife told me, God is your provider, not them. 
That's a hard lesson to learn. God is my provider. He's going to take care of me. How is he going to take care of me? Well, I'm going to go, whenever I am in need, I'm going to go to the mailbox and hope that there's an anonymous check. That doesn't work, does it? You get disappointed. Oh, God, don't you love me? But sometimes bags of groceries end up on your doorstep. Wow. Wow. Sometimes the insurance makes a mistake and you've overpaid and they send you a check for $200. Yeah, wow, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Sometimes, and I said this last time, sometimes the government gives us a stimulus check, but we don't need it because we worked, and so we could take that and we could use it for his glory. Sometimes. It doesn't matter. The point is, is that we have what? The right attitude. We also learned that it's a form of what? Koinonia. Fellowship with each other. It's fellowship. And we also learn, guys, that first and foremost, you have to give of yourself first. You have to give of yourself. And when we do, guys, giving should be a natural byproduct of giving our lives to the Lord first. That's what it should be. You see, if I didn't talk about giving then I would be ripping y'all off of what God has for you. Because Jesus talked a lot about money too. Let's make sure, church, that we send our gift ahead. We don't hoard it up here. Send it ahead. Lord, it's yours. Here's what we can do. Here's what we can do. You go, well, like, like what are some things? Guys, you know that we've always wanted to look for our own building. We wanted to grow into a place where maybe we're a little bit more visible and, and we can have some playground for the kids. I mean, we, we, we're here. We're, we're, we're established. We've been here 17 years. This, this season's been a struggle. Like, like uh, Adam said last week, he said, man, I really enjoyed seeing the church full, but, but it's a struggle. Because some days it's full and some days it's not, and we were up to two services and blah, 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 blah. You know, it's not even COVID anymore. It's a struggle against the church. Right? But we'd love to have our own building someday. We need to keep moving forward. Make sure we don't have what we call fatalistic theology. Fatalistic theology is going, oh, God's going to do it anyway, so we just might as well sit back and just watch. We need to keep moving forward as a ministry. We need to keep inviting people to church. We need to keep saying, hey, man, come be part of a family. That's what we need. We need to continue to love people back to life. Well, Ben, what if our church stays at at 50 or 100 for the next 20 years? Man, we'll be the best fed, best 50 or 100 people. Man, we'll be the best family ever. That's not what God wants. God wants us to impact Lubbock. He wants us to impact Lubbock. We want to make sure, guys, I mean, that, that, that we can get on the radio. We can buy a radio station. 
I want to make sure that we can, we can do a lot of things. You understand. But it takes all of us. So we have to search our hearts first. We have to give to the Lord first. God, here I am. What do you have for us? But we have to be Christians first. Amen? Because none of this matters if you're not a believer. None of this matters if you're not a believer. Because you can still be very generous and not be a believer and still miss out. So the most important thing is what Paul tells us. Are you a believer? Are you going to heaven? That's when we open up our heart and we invite him inside. So if you're here today and you're not a believer, you've never given your life to Jesus, those of you watching online, today's your day. You see, because here's what's going on in your heart. You're going, man, pastor, you were saying some stuff. Listen, and some lights were going on, but I got, just, you know what? I came to the realization that I'm really not saved. Those things you're talking about, having a heart for people and stuff, I don't know, but I want to be. I want my name written in the Lamb's Book of Life. I know things are crazy in this world, and I want Jesus. Well, here's the deal. In a moment, I'm going to give you an opportunity, especially those of you watching online, listening by podcast. Will you bow your heads with me? Let's give anyone an opportunity to respond to the invitation. Father, thank you for your word today and the truth in your word. Thank you we can talk about giving. I pray that it's presented in, in just that way, the way you wanted it, that you'll bless us, Lord. We're not... We're not ever manipulating or, or compul- com- by compulsion um, making people give here. It's out of worship. But Father, none of this matters unless, unless we're saved. And right now, God, you're still in the business of saving people. And so maybe there's somebody here today, somebody watching online that says, Pastor, you know what? I'm not saved. I don't know if I'd go to heaven, but I want to. Will you help me? And if that's you today, let me just say this. Jesus loves you very much, and he died for you. And all you have to do is receive him. Ask him to come into your heart and forgive and believe in him. Repent of your sins and follow him. Listen, if you're not right with God, today's the day. You go, what do I have to do? All you have to do right now, listen to me, by the sound of my voice, is just lift up your hand. Nobody will see you because every eye's closed, every head is bowed. All you have to do is go, Pastor, pray for me. I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to surrender right now. I'm his. God bless you, sister. Anyone else? Anyone else? Maybe you're watching online and you want to lift up your hand. You're praying. You're ready. You're ready. Today's the day. Jesus is all yours. You surrender all. Anyone else? Anyone else? You know God is speaking to you, not me. And you, you know how I know it's God? Because it was a message on giving, not salvation. But God is in the business of saving. So anyone else? Father, I thank you, God, for the hand that was raised. Lord, you're still saving me. Lord, I pray she's the last Gentile, and I pray right now <laughs> we'd go home. But maybe somebody who's going to be scrolling through Facebook later on or listening to podcasts that God that you'd speak to them. If you if you lifted up your hand, would you just would you just surrender your heart to God right now in the way you know how? And say, Lord, I am sorry for my sin. I've done things my way. 
for forever. And today I'm asking you to come into my heart and forgive me. I'm asking God, and I'm asking you to be my Lord, which means you take over my life. And I'm asking you to save me, which means I'll be with you forever. And more importantly, God, change me right now. I turn from my sin. I'm going to follow you. I love you, Lord. I love you. It's in Jesus' name. Let's worship. Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you, or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 806-799-2227 or send an email to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227. Also, if you want to partner with us financially to take the gospel to West Texas and the world, please click on the Donate button on calvarychapellubbock.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast. May God richly bless you.